Welcome to Broadway Radio's review recap episode for not one, but two Broadway shows. The new play POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass Are Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive, and the new musical Mr. Saturday Night. My name is Matt Tamanini. For the penultimate time this Broadway season, it is my duty to remind you that if you are listening to this on Patreon, it is a standalone episode in your feed. And if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, April 28th, 2022. On Wednesday afternoon at the Schubert Theater, with its full company back and ready for action after Julianne Huff had a bout with COVID, the new play POTUS officially opened. We will run through those reviews first before getting into those from the Billy Crystal-led Jason Robert Brown musical, Mr. Saturday Night. The play POTUS that is sweeping social media is by Selena Fillinger and directed by the legendary Susan Stroman and stars a rather disparate smorgasbord of stars, including Tony nominees Lily Cooper and Vanessa Williams, Tony winner Julie White, who also happened to be one of my first celeb interviews for Broadway World nearly a decade ago, but that's neither here nor there. Also in the cast are Emmy winner Huff, stage screen and cabaret icon Leah Delaria, comedian Susie Nakamura, and Saturday Night Live alum Rachel Dratch, who apparently is the breakout star of the show. The play is currently scheduled to run at the Schubert through August 14th, where it will be followed by Some Like It Hot later in the fall. In the show, one four-letter word is about to rock 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. When the president unwittingly spins a PR nightmare into a global crisis, the seven brilliant and beleaguered women he relies upon most will risk life, liberty, and the pursuit of sanity to keep the commander-in-chief out of trouble. I'm going to run through these reviews because we have two shows to talk about. A little shorter than normal, but of course we will always have the review recaps in the show notes, which I'll mention again later. But review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 12 reviews as of recording time, with six being positive, five being mixed, and just one being negative. Let's start with the New York Times, where Jesse Green was mixed, writing, quote, As a farce, POTUS still plays by old and mostly definitionally male rules. Farce is built on tropes of domination and violence. On the other hand, and more happily, POTUS lets us experience the double bind of exceptional women unmediated by the men who depend on their complicity. Badatri D. Chaudhry for Did They Like It was positive, writing, quote, Not that anyone needs to set an inconsequential record straight, but POTUS is a fantastic and hilarious example of a farce that doesn't laugh at anyone in a way that dehumanizes them. On the contrary, its vision is solution-oriented. How do we fix a problem at hand and then action-based? We should stop fixing people and run things ourselves. Greg Evans of Deadline was mixed, writing, quote, If POTUS, directed by Susan Stroman and opening today at Broadway's Schubert Theater, never quite rises to the level of those three influences, not as darkly clever as Veep, as lightning quick as Noises Off, nor as go for deliriously broke as Ludlum, POTUS barrels through its weaker stretches on the contagious enthusiasm and in-it-together vivacity of a crowd-pleasing cast. Brittany Samuel for Broadway News was also positive and focused mostly on the cast. When a cast is having this much fun, she said, it's impossible not to be in on it. And director Susan Stroman, a veteran of musical comedies, guides the company in making the most of each joke. I'll wrap this section up with Adam Feldman, who gave the show four to five stars in Time Out in New York, writing, quote, But POTUS works overall. It just wants to be funny, and it is, and that's a pleasure. Today's body politic is riddled with sores. I can't say for certain that laughter is the best medicine for that, but it sure is a welcome palliative. 
despite the mixed reviews, I am ecstatic to see this show in about a week and a half. It sounds like the exactly right bonkers Saturday afternoon at the theater before I immediately go to LaGuardia to fly home that I need. Okay, next up, let's turn our attention to Wednesday evening's opening of Mr. Saturday Night. The musical is based on a concept and character by Billy Crystal that he did for more than half a decade before it spawned a 1992 movie by Crystal, Lowell Gantz, and Babalu Mandel. The three reunite to write the book for the stage adaptation, and three-time Tony winner Jason Robert Brown provides the music and Amanda Green the lyrics. John Rando directs and Eleanor Scott choreographs. As he did in the film, Crystal plays Buddy Young Jr., and the cast also features Randy Graff as Elaine, Shoshana Bean as Susan, and, like he did in the film three decades ago, David Paymer plays Stan. In the show, Crystal plays an outrageous and outspoken comedian who found fame in the early days of television. Now, some 40 years after he hit the top, Buddy will take one last shot at reclaiming the spotlight and his family one hilarious step at a time. As of recording, Did They Like It has 15 reviews, 7 are positive, 4 are mixed, and 4 are negative. Starting first with Laura Collins Hughes writing for the New York Times, she was mixed and said, quote, As a piece of theater, the show is a bit of a mess. The jokes, even some of the hoary ones, work better than the storytelling, and the acting styles are all over the place. Still, it makes for a diverting evening, but it will almost surely make you laugh, and because of how acutely tuned into the audience, Crystal is. Naveen Kumar of Broadway News was negative, writing, quote, Billy Crystal is roving the stage, leading an oy vey call and response. There is no exclamation more apt for Mr. Saturday Night, the moth-eaten cardigan of a new musical now in residence at the Nederlander Theater. At first, kvetching seems to be encouraged with a knowing wink. We meet Buddy as a washed-up comedian playing retirement homes in his less-than-golden years, joking that his audience is half-dead. Time Out New York's Adam Feldman gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, It delivers exactly what it promises. Crystal, completely in his element, with a crowd that is more than happy to buy what he's selling. He's the cream of the borscht, the schmaltz of the gribbiness, and his prodigious charm makes Mr. Saturday Night a very Hamish experience. If you have a taste for this sort of thing, the show is, oh lord of old comics, forgive me what I'm about to write, the show is a crystal ball. But Atu D. Chaudhry for Did They Like It was negative, writing, quote, There are times when the musical feels like it belongs in a different era, or serves a very specific audience belonging to a specific, more comfortable social strata. People who, in the 1950s or so, would have gone to upstate New York and spent their weekends in a resort, watching comedy shows and other such fun things. Let's wrap up with Juan A. Ramirez of Theaterly, who was positive, writing, quote, what is surprising, given that no one really asked for this and considering the general soullessness of such reboots, is how perfectly charming and entertaining the work is. If you would like to read more of these and other reviews for both POTUS and Mr. Saturday Night, we will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review recaps in the show notes. So, that is all that I have for you. If you are listening to this on Patreon, have a wonderful Thursday. And if you are listening to this in the regular feed, I will send you over to Grace and Ashley for the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, April 28th, 2022. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. 
Ashley Steves is on her merry Hello. little way to see a show right now. So I, yeah, very close. Not at this exact minute, but I could be in a cab very soon. Very, very shortly. And there are a couple of shows opening as we're recording, and yeah. I'm sure Matt will get into those reviews as soon as we're you know yeah. that they're out uh, because it's two two right now, right? Mr. Saturday Night and Mr. POTUS. Saturday Night is uh, tonight officially. I guess the POTUS embargo is up by the time. I'm, this episode will go out at least on Patreon because I saw Adam Feldman tweet something along the lines of that his review will be out five and then Mr. Saturday Night will be out at ten. So it's a weird scattered day today. We weren't yeah, really sure that POTUS was going to open today. So I'm glad right, it is. because POTUS is having a, an, op- an opening gala on Sunday. Yeah, May 1st, yeah, yeah. Which... Wink, wink, nod, nod. I don't know, I don't know if I know Fancy. anything about that. Ooh, interesting. Uh, oh, secrets. Close friends only. All right. <laughs> so first in the news, we're just going to get right into it. The 66th Annual Drama Desk Awards has announced that their nominations for this year will now take place on Monday, May 16th, two weeks after the originally scheduled plan. Again, the Drama Desk honors Broadway, Off-Broadway, and Off-Off-Broadway together, all in the same categories for consideration, but the cutoff for that consideration is staying May 1st. So it doesn't change, you know, what was still eligible. It just means that they've moved the date. That's fine. No notes. No notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw the Tonys push back theirs, so I'm Ooh. assuming that this is kind of in conjunction with that, but I'm not really mm-hmm. sure here. I mean, as long as none of the actual ceremonies change at this point, unless they absolutely need to because of, you know, the big old pandemic that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy with it. I mean, <laughs> the days that the nominations are coming out are already packed for, I think, both of us. So, it's a little ooh. much. Ooh, a little much. <laughs> May is um, how we say cucumber. Like it's a little. <sighs> it, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's a little. So over, it's a lot. It's a little. It's a lot. She's yeah. cute. Guac yeah. is extra. So over at the Gershwin, new Wicked company members have been announced. Uh, so beginning May 24th, three members of the musical's national tour will be joining the Broadway company. And that's Ooh. Talia Suskar, who is an incredible alphabet. She's such a sweetheart. I literally have half met her once. We did like a 54 Below show <laughs> and her voice was so good. I was like, girl, like you're like you're not on this level like okay. you're beyond but she's replacing Lindsay Pierce who departs the show uh, to play Janice mm-hmm. Ian on the Mean Girls tour so they're yeah, literally switching cool. lives yeah very cool <laughs> I was like okay um Cleavant Derricks will assume the role of the wizard and Clifton Davis will play the role of Dr. Dilliman James D. Gish will assume the role of Fierro and Michaela Renfro will take over for Nessa Rose and both of them are making their Broadway debuts so you've got three people coming in from the tour and then you've got two people making their Broadway debuts which I I love and then That's Brittany is still great. in as Glinda Thank so goodness. it sounds like a nice nice little group again I still it's haven't pretty- gone back I and I want to I know I feel like we keep talking about this every time we do Wicked casting yeah like we do have to go it is a fact it is well a they've fact. also moved my favorite um my favorite pre-dinner meal or pre-show meal which now i'm going to give away and then everyone Ooh. will go which is yeah. totally fine with me but haji who i've been going to for uh, years yeah. which is 
moved three different times and I follow them every single time, but now it's directly outside of the Gershwin. And I did endearingly um, look at my partner and said, um, can you, because uh, they at one time uh, were in Wicked. And I was like, can you just mm-hmm. go back to Wicked so that I can like meet you afterward? <laughs> because now I've got it's my favorite bubble tea. It's a beneficial relationship here. <laughs> yeah, as long come as, on. As long as they can get you your food and I guess perform as well, it's a win-win. Yeah, I'm not asking to be in Wicked. I'm just yeah, asking no. to simply sit outside. Exactly. So, ear to the it's, wall. It's belly ear full. Ear to the wall. <laughs> belly full. We have my little Onagiri. We'll talk about it later. Oh, so yes. over in Newfoundland, uh, Rachel Tucker, who is currently starring as Captain Beverly Bass in Come From Away on Broadway, will leave the production for two months because she's filming season two of Hope Street. So, like, bless her. Mm-hmm. Booked and yeah. blessed. But in her stead, Becky uh, Goldsvig, who was also on the tour, she mm-hmm. will remain in the role until June 19th. So, yes. it's just some switching around of, of tour peoples and also, like, congrats, that. Rachel Tucker. Yeah, absolutely. Get that TV money. That TV money is so sweet, sweet, sweet. Chef's mm-hmm. kiss. Residuals, mm-hmm. you really can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'll never so, know. let's... <laughs> and you know what? But that's not true. You might dream big. I mean... Mm. On that note, let's take a moment from the show <laughs> to talk about our sponsor for this week. Um, I want to tell you all about something that I think that our listeners in particular will perfectly enjoy. So that's Play On Podcast. It's an epic audio adventure that reimagines Shakespeare's timeless tales, features original music composition, and voices by award-winning actors. So famously, uh, Shakespeare is very hard to palate for me, and this makes it so, so, so understandable and palatable. Each episode explores plays from Macbeth to A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, mm days when I was playing puck either way anyways um, but in a way you know it's it's actually easy to understand they've they've made it to where anybody can jump on board and it's created specifically for the podcast formed by some of America's most exciting playwrights directors and composers and performed by stage and screens best so check out their current season of King Lear that stars Emmy winner Keith David and Severance star Trammell Tillman uh, hear Shakespeare like you've never heard before and subscribe to play on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts so this is this is the story that I was I was waiting for the meat the oh. meat of the the whole show the burrito if you will. Mm, yes. So you're just Tokyo making me hungry. Delight. We've really I'm covered sorry. the gamut of cuisine I'm options really hungry. so far. I am too. <laughs> Oof. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking, speaking of food, actually, there's a lot of really, really cute food in what we're talking about. So, yes. uh, multi-award winning composer Joe Hisashi, uh, and the Royal Shakespeare Company are readying a stage adaptation of Hayao Miyazaki's 1988 classic film. Actually, my favorite animated film yes. of all time. I cry, I cried reading this genuinely cried, which is so embarrassing, but <laughs> Studio Ghibli's film, My Neighbor Totoro, uh, he was the original composer of the film, yeah. so it only makes sense that Miyazaki is given the blessing to this stage adaptation, totally. which is yeah. kind of unheard of. I never thought we would get anything like this. It's kind of blowing my noodle that we even got spirited Occasion- away. I was going to say, occasionally comes out of his cave to bless anything anyway. Yeah, if you watch any documentary, which you you can watch, I think, two that are available on HBO Max about Hayao Miyazaki, but he Mm -hmm. is absolutely, like, very protective of the source material that is Studio Ghibli films. And anytime, yeah, of course, and anytime somebody tries to introduce, like, a technical aspect to try to to change any of that, Mm -hmm. he's vehemently against for good reasons. He's protective um, for for all the the good reasons, right? But this is written by playwright Tom Morton Smith of Oppenheimer, 
Wow. And directed by (laughs) Philip McDermott. The production will feature puppetry created by Basil Twist and music with Hisashi's score in a new orchestration by Will Stewart. And artwork for the adaptation includes hand-drawn titles, which I want to... The reason I'm highlighting that, right, is because the hand-drawn nature of Studio Ghibli films Mm -hmm. is is what makes them still so magical. And um, especially for My Neighbor Totoro, like the way he harnesses wind in particular is is something Mm. that... like literally, I could go on. This is this is unfortunately yes. not the podcast to no, do it, it on. Absolutely, is. <laughs> <laughs> it is now because we're in charge today. But people have often cited like his uh, Hayao Miyazaki's illustration of food, not only food and ramen, but of like Japanese cultural yeah. items like that. But also wind and the way that um, it moves because he the reason it's called Studio Ghibli is because it's based off of his favorite airplane, and so the way that he has harnessed like the way wind and sky and air moves in in uh, visual mediums like illustrations and cartoons is why mm-hmm. this particular uh, stage adaptation with hand-drawn titles by Toshio Suzuki is so important. He's a producer for Studio Ghibli, and he was also involved in the planning and production of the original animated film in 1988. So all that being said, this Obsessed is being... Obsessed with that history lesson. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, so... I, like, um, I love I'm... it. This is completely... <laughs> this is now a podcast that I want to listen to. Thank you. <laughs> Happy, happy to start that sometime yeah. down the road <laughs> in my bucket of other uh, podcasts that Matt and I have been cooking up oh, for yeah. now, what, like a year and a half. So Hisashi said, in Japan, many people are passionate about theater and musicals, but there are no original Japanese shows or musicals performed in the world. Totoro is a Japanese work famous throughout the world. So true. I have an entire onesie that I might post <laughs> when this comes out. Um, a picture of you me in because it's... I will. I, no, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm in it. I'm physically yeah. in it. Oh, of course, um, yeah. <laughs> So he said that um, it has the potential to reach global audiences. That's what I thought. And I told Mr. Miyazaki, I want to see the show. And he said, yes, only if you're going to do it. So it's been given the blessing. My Neighbor Totoro will play a 15-week season from October 8th of this year through January 21st of next year. It will open at London's Barbican uh, Arts Complex in collaboration with Improbable and Nippon TV. So I think going. I have to go to London. Yeah, so we're going, right? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, correspondent on the ground, Grace Aki. <laughs> Between, like, um, the exciting work that I get to do with Broadway Records uh, with the National Theater and mm-hmm. um, this particular production and then all the other things we've been talking about – we got to book our trip. That's just oh, what's happening. That's on. our recommendation. We must. <laughs> See the show, eat the food. You know, the smart, you talked about all those hand-drawn titles. I think the yeah. smartest thing that they could possibly do for the show is to have like incredibly creative hand-drawn merch. Like, and I will buy yes. all of it, including if they have like prints of the titles. That would be amazing. I went to the basically Disney World of Japan, which is like mm-hmm. the Studio Ghibli campus, and the the merch and the they have a Kiki's delivery service cafe oh there. My it God, is yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really so magical. So it would not because they are obviously partnering with Studio Ghibli. It would not surprise me if they did some kind of partnership yeah, in that way. Definitely. Um, and then also with the um the like we Matt and I talked about on the show the other day with Hulu doing the uh global uh capture of Spirited Away yeah. with the puppetry there. I, I just feel like this is a new venture. Definitely. And any way I can be involved, I'm putting it 
out there, um, I would like that. So it's just, just so putting that into the universe. It's so smart too, because yes. people are so connected to these movies and mm-hmm. you know anything that comes out of it, and also just like they're so beautiful and lush and creative. Like they lend themselves yeah. so well to the stage that you know understanding how difficult it is to bring these to the stage uh, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But also, I'm so glad that it's happening for something like this because of that. So any listeners that are obsessed with this as I am, if you need to DM me, if you need to like reach mm-hmm. out, like yes, just absolutely tweet at us because uh, this is going to be something that I will be talking about on the show as frequently Forever. as they will allow yeah. me. So lastly, we have two things in our recommendations. One is an article about a forthcoming book called Binge Times. It's a new book about the streaming wars that tracks the movie musicals glamorous theatrical premiere and Ooh. its streaming death. Entertainment reporters explore in the heights in particular uh, with the movie theater release Misfire and how it resulted uh, from the rush into streaming by several media and tech companies determined to catch up with Netflix. It's kind of a fascinating Fascinating. uh, storyline. And I know that Matt is very attached to this because of like streaming theater and also streaming. Exactly. Exactly. 750 of them. (laughs) Aren't we all hustling? Oh my Uh, God. So yeah, I just, um, I'm glad that he sent that our way. And then you can read the entire article uh, linked in the show notes. Cool. The other recommendation I have is that quickly I want to get on a little soapbox. The other day, I was so graciously invited once again to the Passing It On Gala uh, by Rosie's Theater Kids. Thank you again to the press room. I love uh, getting to see the students shine. If you don't know what uh, Rosie's Theater Kids is, it's an organization located in New York City, and they are an incredible arts educational system that has been around for about 20 years, thanks to Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, there were performances at the gala from like Christopher Jackson, um, the, the after party was hosted by Andy and Orfei. Like, you know, I've got mm-hmm. I was seated at a, at a wonderful table of, of cast or creatives and Broadway minds. And again, like, uh, you know, Ashley and I had just recorded Broadway radio. I rushed into Manhattan so that I could come to the show. And it was such an incredible, uh, you know, the wealth of talent that's located in New York City from from students that oftentimes do not get the resources that other students get. Um, it was so exciting. But what's funny is that like, <laughs> we had just recorded Broadway radio, and we were talking about Daniel J. Watts having should have won a Tony. And then here I am sitting at his table at the gala afterwards telling him how excited I was about the public theater announcement that we had just talked about on Broadway radio. So um, it was just it's a wonderful evening of charity and people were giving so much money to this foundation. And again, if you are feeling charitable, I highly recommend that this is a program that you should donate to. You can tell that the the impact they have on these young people lasts forever. They have alumni back. Those people become, you know, even if they don't pursue the arts, the foundation that they have in the performing arts because of this program um, helps them succeed in life. And so the more that you're able to contribute to that, even if you can't physically be a teaching artist or something, if you have the means to monetary, uh, mon- monetarily give to an organization like this, I highly recommend. I, I'm such a you know an advocate for nonprofits like this. And um, Rosie's Theater Kids is just a really, really special one. So on that note, uh, thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. Thank you guys so much. We will see you later. Bye.